I'm so, um, we overuse the word excited, I know, but I really am excited. Um, uh, pastor Sean asked me to speak this weekend. I'm Aaron Poor, the associate pastor here. And uh, he actually commissioned me to speak uh, several weeks ago. And so I've been thinking about this passage, this area of scripture that we're in in our reading plan. I've been praying about it. And um, a couple Saturdays ago in the morning, I was sitting at home. I think we probably had cartoons on or something like that. And God just downloaded this whole thing right in one moment. And I just literally couldn't type fast enough to get notes down. And so last night, uh, we talked about this, and, and we had a ministry time at the end, and it was so powerful, and uh, I just sensed the presence of God so strong. And so what we're, what we're doing is we're, we're going through this 100-day dare um, Bible reading plan, and if you haven't kind of picked up on it already, <clears throat> the messages that you're hearing on, on the weekend are kind of dealing with what you're getting ready to read uh, in the coming days. And so we're getting ready to go into the healing ministry of Jesus. And it's, it's amazing uh, what, what Jesus does. But let me say this. Jesus heals people then and now because healing is a demonstration of two things. It's a demonstration of the love of God. It's an expression of the love of God. I mean, when, when someone gets healed, it's God saying, I love you. And healing is also a demonstration that the kingdom of God is here and now. And Jesus did that regularly. He would heal somebody or deliver somebody and say, the kingdom has come here among you. And so Jesus uh, healed people because of those reasons. And the healing ministry is still active today. Amen? Amen? He's still the healer. And I could, I could just take all of our time up and tell you stories of people being healed. I could tell you stories that I've heard, but I could also tell you stories that I was personally a part of and I personally witnessed. That I mean, many, 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 many times, if somebody comes up and says, well, I don't believe that Jesus heals anymore, I'd say, well... You can believe whatever you want, but what I know from firsthand experience is that that is not true. He does still heal. And I could tell you stories in this house, in this church, of people being miraculously healed. And, you know, I could, like, for instance, uh, there's, a, there's a guy who a couple of years ago came to us, and he had been having some... Uh, stomach problems, abdominal problems. So we went to the doctor and they did some tests and they did some imaging. And what they found uh, was a mass that was growing in his abdomen. And they actually got some very detailed images of this mass, very clear pictures. And so then he came back here, we prayed, um, and then he went back to the doctors. When they looked again, it was gone. Now, not only was it gone, but the doctor told him, I can't find any evidence that there was ever anything there. That's a miracle. 
that's a miracle. That's a healing miracle. We had another guy uh, who, um, I'm just going to, he sent this in to me. I want to kind of read part of it for you. But he was going to do this um, 50K uh, marathon in the mountains, okay? Now, just kind of think about it. Um, many people have done like a 5K, right? I mean, we, do, we, do, we support the Liberty Women's Clinic every year. They do a 5K. Uh, I know all about 5Ks. I've attended 5Ks. Um, and so, you know, and I've been the guy with the flashlight and stuff like that. So this was a 50, this is a 50K, 50K, and it's in the mountains. So it's this and this and this, and uh, he was really excited about this, but he says, let me read this. By March, I started having some pain in my right knee, and after a couple more weeks, it got increasingly worse to where I couldn't run more than seven miles. I, I understand that. Uh, <laughs> After, after seeing an orthopedic surgeon two weeks later, he told me I had plica band syndrome. And the cure is to either stop running or have surgery. And uh, continuing to run wouldn't cause damage, but the pain would be unbearable. And you got to remember, he's getting ready to go do a 50K in the mountains. And surgery, the, the recovery from surgery is three months, which would take him out of this uh, race, this event. So the following Saturday night service, Pastor Sean asked uh, for anyone to come up who needed prayer for healing. And long story short, he came up, he got prayed for, and then by faith, he went and ran his 50K. And then when he got back, I remember we kind of reached out to him and said, so tell us the truth. Was, did you have any pain when you ran? And he said, I had pain after that 50K in my whole body except that one knee. <laughs> Jesus still heals. He still heals. And so in the ministry of Jesus, we see a wide variety of situations where people were healed. Uh, we don't see, what we do not see is one predictable model. We don't see one, uh, you know, one, two, three steps of how Jesus always did this. We don't see a predictable model, a predictable blueprint. We see a wide variety of sicknesses. We see a wide variety of circumstances. And we see different ways of approaching Jesus for healing. Different ways of approaching Jesus for healing. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at three stories that represent three different approaches to Jesus, to God, for healing. And this is going to be a fun look at how people got healed, but it's also going to teach us how we can approach God for our own healing, because Jesus still heals. So before we unpack these three approaches, I want you to notice a common factor. I want you, as, as we look at these stories... And the common factor, regardless of the person or the situation or the sickness, is faith. Faith is a common factor throughout these stories. And you hear Jesus mention it a lot of times. You'll hear, you'll hear him say, uh, you know, be it done to you according to your faith, or your faith has made you well, or things like, you'll hear, you'll hear him say things like that. And faith is an important, uh, necessary piece 
for that process that happens when we get healed. In fact, we have to have faith if we want to please God. It says that in Hebrews 11.6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. <clears throat> and so I want to look at these three different approaches. And uh, the first approach to Jesus for healing is the one that I would call desperation. Or you might call it the prayer of desperation. And uh, I'm going to say this now, and you're going to hear me say it again. We have all been there and done that, right? Um, I've prayed the prayer of desperation. And we're going to read about a guy that is in that place. And you're going to see that this guy got his healing. But a prayer of desperation is basically saying, God, if you can do anything. You know, and so let's look at the example here in Jesus's life. Mark chapter nine, verse 20. And here's what's happening. Let me give you the backstory. Uh, this guy, he's a father of a son who has been having these epileptic type seizures. And uh, it's, it's, it's been going on for a long time. It's very, uh, you know, horrible. The, the son falls into fire water. We're going to we're going to see that. And then he just comes in desperation to Jesus, says, Jesus, please heal him. So in verse 20, it says, they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood. It has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That right there is a prayer of desperation. That's, that's just, that is what that is. Uh, <clears throat> verse 23, and Jesus said to him, no, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him. Never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Now, some sicknesses, some sicknesses have a spiritual side. Or, or even a spiritual cause. Some sicknesses do, not all, but some do. And this man had a son who would have epileptic type seizures that were demonic in nature. And the father of this epileptic son, made, uh, he made two mistakes. Um, number one, he talks about how impressive the condition is. And number two, he questions if Jesus has the power to deliver. If you can do anything, if you can do anything. So this is a prayer of desperation, a prayer of desperation. And like I said, we've all, we've all prayed this at some point in our life. We've all been at that point where it's like, I don't know what else to pray. I don't know what else to do. I got nothing left. God, if you can do anything, uh, it's, 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 you're going to have to do it. You know, we've all had that moment. But what I want to do is I want to take this prayer of desperation 
and look at the pieces that, may, that come together to make it up. Look at the components, because if we can break it down, we can replace those parts with something that works better. So let's break it down. Step one in a prayer of desperation is often to begin by magnifying the problem. That's usually how it starts, okay? God, okay, we just acknowledge God's God, but it goes downhill from there. God, my life is horrible because of A, B, and C. God, I'm in big trouble because of A, B, and C. God, I'm about to kick the bucket because of A, B, and C. Whatever the case may be, whatever's causing this prayer of desperation, we start with how impressive the problem is, how, how amazing the problem, how high and exalted and magnified the problem is. And we start there. That's our starting point. That's step one in a prayer of desperation. It's not a good place to start. Step two is to place all of the responsibility on God. Now, I want to I get in and carefully divide the meaning of what I'm saying here. Now, we give all glory to God, and God is all-powerful. All the power of healing is God's power. But when we're praying a prayer of desperation, we sometimes, maybe oftentimes, can remove ourselves completely from the process, as if we are 100% passive and 100% the victim. And that's not the case. It may feel that way, but it's not the truth. So uh, that's what happens in step two, is we place all the responsibility on God. If, and here's how we do that. Lord, if it's your will, if it's your will, that is our ultimate cop-out prayer. Because as soon as we say, Lord, if it's your will, we are removing any responsibility uh, from our shoulders to take a stand of faith or to, or to believe or anything like that. And if things don't work out the way we hope that they'll work out, then we can just say, I guess God didn't want it to work out. But here's the thing. This is the easiest thing of all to correct. This is so easy, so simple. If it's your will is a question we can answer just like that. Because Yes, it is his will. Yeah, and here's why. Here's why. It, it, it's so easy, I can't even talk about it. Jesus paid an amazingly high and terrible price for our healing. It says that in the Old Testament. It says that in the New Testament. In fact, it gets very specific in, a, in the book of Isaiah, in the book of 1 Peter. It actually connects the specific act of scourging Jesus where his back was turned into ribbons and his bones were exposed directly connects that to our physical healing. Two times, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so Jesus went to extreme lengths and, and, and paid extreme costs for your healing. And so it's, in, in my personal opinion, it's even insulting to say, well, Lord, if you want to heal me, what? 
I mean, look at the price that was paid for this. How can we possibly question his motives? And so, uh, you know, when I hear, I struggle. I, I'm, I'm just being transparent here. I struggle when I hear somebody accuse Jesus of not being interested in healing them because I know the price and the, and the links that he went to to purchase that healing. In fact, I would go so far as to say that Jesus is more interested in your healing than you are because he has more invested in it. In fact, your healing is his joy. Your healing is his joy. Your healing is for him more than it is for you because he wants it. He wants you to have it. He paid a high price for you to have it. So, the, so we don't ever, 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 ever again have to ever start a prayer about healing with if it's your will. We can remove that from our vocabulary completely. The lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering. And then step three of a prayer of desperation is to question the power of God. If you can do anything. If you can do anything. Now, most of us would not want to admit this, but it becomes easy to do step number three, questioning the power of God, because we spend so much time doing step number one, magnifying the power of sickness. So when you spend a lot of time, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm not saying never Google anything or never research, don't, don't ever find out anything about, I'm not saying that. You know, the Bible says, to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say never have understanding. It just says don't lean on it. But when you spend so much time and so much effort educating yourself on the power of sickness and the effects of sickness and the long-term effects of sickness and how it's going to impact your life from here on out and how things are going to be different... You're magnifying and lifting up the power of that. And then when it comes time to call on God for his power, it becomes much easier to question if he is able to deliver you from this thing. So we question the power of God if you can do anything. Now, we are the ones who get to choose what we feed. We get to choose what we feed. It, this is something that comes down. It's on us. We get to make this choice. We can either choose to feed faith or we can choose to feed fear. We get to do that. That's our choice. And uh, we choose what to feed by the thoughts we harbor in our mind and the words we speak with our mouth. Now, now think about that. Apply it to your situation. If you've got something going on in your life right now, you're believing God for you know, maybe you're believing God for healing or something like that. You get to choose what you're going to feed. Are, what thoughts are you harboring in your mind? Are you thinking relentlessly and continuously about the, the sickness, the illness, the disease, the infirmity, the syndrome? Or are you thinking about the goodness of God? All my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so good. Your goodness is running after me. What are you speaking with your mouth? I just have not been feeling good. It's been so, my body's been hurting so much. I don't know, the doctors say that there's no cure. There's a, I mean, what words are you speaking? 
Now, those words that, uh, that I just used as an example, they, they might not be, they might be true. But what words are you choosing to speak? Well, how are you feeling today? Well, I mean, I'm fighting some stuff in my body, but you know what? I believe Jesus paid for my healing. I'm standing on that, and uh, I'm not going to let this pull me down into some other place. I'm going to walk in to the, the purpose and the calling God has for my life, and if God says I'm healed, I'm, I'm going to be healed. You know, so you get to choose what you feed, faith or fear. So what happened in this story is amazing because Jesus, in, in a word, in a sentence, Jesus turns this father around and pulls him from a place of fear into a place of faith. And so that when the father says, if you can do anything, Jesus says, no, no, if you can believe. Because, so let, think about what happened. The father came up to Jesus and said, everything hinges on whether or not you choose to heal my son. And Jesus says, stop. Things are hinging on whether or not you believe I can and will do this. And so there's a, there's a subtle but a really powerful thing that happens, a transition that happens there. Jesus pulls him from a place of fear into a place of faith. And, he, and so then the father, he does the right thing. And he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that's an awesome thing that just happened. So he wasn't being fake. He wasn't putting on a plastic smile and saying, everything's great. No, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. He admitted that he was struggling with unbelief, but he took a bold step of faith. So this is something that I want to, I want to make a statement that for some of you, depending on the background that you come from, uh, this can be both a challenging statement, but also a huge Revelation. So the statement is this. It is possible for faith and unbelief to be present at the same time in the same person. Now, I don't want to get into a deep theological discussion about the difference between unbelief and doubt and pull in different scriptures and things like that. But I just want to stand on the story that we're looking at right now uh, with the father with the epileptic son. It's possible for faith and unbelief to, ex to be present, to be present at the same time in the same person. And the reason that's true is we literally just saw that happen. We literally just saw that happen. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So what is, the, what is happening? The father came to Jesus with a problem and he's in desperation. And Jesus says, no, you need to believe that I can and will do this. And the father says, okay, taking a stand, Lord, I believe. I recognize that there are still things in me that are struggling with this, but I am taking a stand right now, and I say, God, I believe. And so uh, the prayers of desperation are not usually effective according to what Jesus is saying here. Um, and I want to say this too. I'm not condemning anyone here for that. Like I said, and you'll hear me say it again, we've, we've all prayed these prayers. But what we need to do is we need to replace, now that we've looked at these three components, we need to replace a prayer of desperation with a prayer of expectation. And so we go through each one of those steps and switch them out 
for something different. So now if we're talking about a prayer of expectation, and so if this is you, if you're you're in a place right now where you've been praying these desperate prayers, this is how you switch out these pieces to something that is more effective. So step one for a prayer of expectation is to magnify the greatness and goodness of God first. You might ask yourself, why do, we always, why do we always have the same formula at church? You know, it's like we always come in and sing. Why do we always have to sing before we, we, we hear the message or whatever? Well, it's because we start our time together by magnifying and glorifying God. We start. That's our starting point. The starting point is the goodness, the power, the love, the holiness of God. And from there, we move forward. And this is the same way when we're praying. So step one is to magnify the greatness and goodness of God. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness in my life. You've been good to me. Lord, you've always been faithful. Lord, you have the power to save me, and you have the desire to save me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And you start off from that place. Step two, to switch out from desperation to expectation, is to recognize that while God is the source of all healing, he has chosen to place his spirit and his power in you. Amen? So look, this Romans 8.11 says this, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit, through his spirit who dwells in you. It's recognizing that the power of God to heal is not like some lightning bolt that leaves heaven and travels across the universe and comes down here and enters you. The power of God to heal has been placed in you. Now, it's, now uh, I'm not saying that it's your power. I'm saying it's his power, but it's in you. And we have to recognize uh, that... Uh, um, that power is present here. So it's, it's, while God is the source of all healing, he's placed his spirit and his power in you. It's there. And then step three, instead of questioning the power of God, which happens in a prayer of desperation, we question the power of sickness. Now, this little mini section right here, as I was typing it out, and again, I was, I was typing like, as fast as it was coming, I was just, shh, and I was amening what I was seeing myself typing because I was so excited about it. And so I, I want you to really get this. You've heard people say, don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big God is. That's what we're talking about here. And this can be any type of sickness. It doesn't have to just be physical sickness in your body. It could be of a mental nature or an emotional Nature. It could be. It could be heartbroken. The Lord. Uh, the Bible says that the Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It could be an emotional, mental, or physical sickness. But I didn't say that we question the existence of sickness. I said we question the power of sickness. And here's where I want to get specific, and I want to especially talk to my brothers and sisters who were raised in a similar background that would be a heavy faith um, uh, emphasis background. 
because that is a kingdom, biblical, godly emphasis. But there are possibilities of little places to fall off the road to the right or the left and miss the bigger picture of how God works. So here's what I want to say. Um, It's not faith to pretend that you're not sick. Now, I want to show you what faith is. But it's not faith to pretend that you're not sick. I, I, I came up in a church that would say, you know, if somebody came up to you and said, well, how are you doing today? You would say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Now, you might have a raging headache and your lungs filled with pneumonia and, you know, you're, <laughs> or you might be going through something horrible. And we were kind of conditioned to believe that the way you respond is to, in, other, in, in short, to pretend that you're not sick. And that was faith, was to not acknowledge any type of sickness or problem going on in your body. So here's how I want to pull us into a more biblical kingdom of God way to do that than, the, than what I just mentioned. And let's put this up on the screen. It may be the truth that you are sick. It's just not the whole truth. Let that sink in. It may be the truth that you're sick. It's just not the whole truth. When it comes to to healing and to being free of sickness, you have to take the same approach that a witness on a stand in a court case would take. I'm going to speak The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God, right? So for you to declare, I am healed, is not denying the truth. It's just declaring the whole truth. So you may come to me and say, well, The doctors say that I have cancer. And I might say, you may have cancer. But that's not the whole truth. You see what I'm saying? So you may be sick, but you're also healed. Now that's, our our, our natural minds wrestle with that. That's a hard thing to understand. What does that mean? It sounds like two opposite things but it's 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 not that we're dealing with a lie and the truth it's that we're dealing with the truth and then the whole truth so you may be sick but you're also healed and here's let me put this up on the screen too your healing is a bigger more powerful truth than your sickness It's a bigger, more powerful truth than your sickness. And Jesus addressed this. He said in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, in this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. That's the truth. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the whole truth. 
And a lot of times what we do is we speak the truth and we get caught there. And the truth, I am sick, becomes so debilitating and terrifying that we can't see the whole truth. And the whole truth is, according to what Jesus did for me, according to the blood of Jesus, according to what happened on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished, I am healed. And so the prayer of desperation, especially when we turn it into a prayer of expectation, can be a way to healing. But I told you we were going to look at three examples here. There is a better way. And uh, for this uh, way, I shot a little video to cover this one. And let's go ahead and roll that one. What I want to talk about real quick is what I call a point of faith. Now, I'm coming to you from uh, the family room at our house, the little library part of our family room, because this is where often we will do midday prayer throughout the week. And I want to do, I want to throw in a quick plug for midday prayer. If you don't join us for that, it's just a few minutes out of every day. And we get together on the Journey Connect page on Facebook. So if you go to Facebook, Journey Connect, uh, that's, that's a page that we have on there. And at noon, we meet for prayer. And we stand on a, a verse or two of scripture and we pray it, we seal it in prayer, we approach God, and then we walk out the rest of our day in the truth and revelation of what we just prayed through. But I'm bringing that up because midday prayer is an example of a point of faith. It's a certain point in time. It's a certain place. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a point where we have an expectation that if we meet and if we pray, we expect that certain things will happen when we come together and do that. It's a point of faith. And Jesus even saw this in his ministry. And we're going to read an example of that right now. So look at Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 24. It says, And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had, su who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. That may be some of you. I mean, you may have gone from doctor to specialist, and you're no better, but your bank account is smaller. That's where this woman was. And so verse 27, she heard reports about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. That is her point of faith. If this condition is met, then I expect that this outcome will happen. If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And it worked. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, notice Jesus did not say, daughter, 
I made you well because I kind of felt like doing it today. It's it's my will today to heal somebody. It's your lucky day. You were in the right place, and I just decided to heal you. No, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now, the power of God to heal is still God's power, but our faith has a part to play in that. And that's, in this case, that's a point of faith. If I touch even his garments, then I will be made well. And we do that too. If I can get this certain healing evangelist to pray for me, I believe I'll be made well. If I can get to this one prayer meeting and have people pray for me, I believe I'll be made well. If I can call this 24-hour prayer line, I believe I'll get a breakthrough and I'll be made well. These are what we call points of faith. If certain conditions are met, then uh, we will see a certain outcome. And like I said, many times this works. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Uh, it's worked for me. I've seen it work for other people too. Um, you know, if I go forward at the end of the service and have someone on the prayer team pray for me, I believe that I'm going to be healed. That works. In fact, we're going to be doing that today. The prayer ministry team will come up and you'll have an opportunity to be prayed for. So it's not that the point of faith approach to healing does not work. Uh, the big issue that we have to face is what we talked about a few weeks ago. When you get your breakthrough, you have to have a follow-through. And when you have a point-of-faith approach to healing, then that is definitely a point in time where you have received a breakthrough. But if you want to, let's put it this way, if you receive divine healing from a point of faith, that's your breakthrough, then you must understand how to walk in divine health once that point of faith has passed. That's your follow-through. And let me put this up on the screen. Breakthrough is a dramatic restoring of health. Follow-through is a gradual renewing of the mind. Breakthrough is something that happens in that moment. It's, 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 it's a miracle. It's, a, it's divine healing. And at that point of faith, you get what you're believing for. But follow-through is a gradual renewing of the mind where you learn to walk in divine health. Now, notice what Jesus said. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. What Jesus was saying is, you just got your healing, now continue in your healing. Go in peace. Don't go in fear. Don't, don't return again to fear over this. So Jesus is telling her, you have to follow through. Uh, now, I always figure out a way to work this in to a message. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, it's the renewing of your mind that shows you what the will of God is. And when you understand by revelation that the will of God is for you to walk in health, you can confidently and boldly claim that and you can follow through and walk and then and walk it out. And then you don't have to be dependent on that missionary or that healing evangelist coming back to church every single week to pray for you again and again. Your point of faith may get you the breakthrough, but then you have to have a follow-through to walk forward in divine health. So a point of faith is an approach to healing 
but there is still yet a better way. Amen. That's good, Pastor Aaron. <laughs> so the process of renewing the mind uh, will lead you into this last approach. And I want to share this last approach with you. And remember, we're looking at three different ways people approach Jesus for healing. Uh, there were more than three. It's not just that there are three, but we're looking at three that I believe are very common. Um, and all three of these people that approached Jesus for healing, they got their healing. Jesus didn't turn them away and say, you didn't do this right. You didn't go through these steps. There's 10 steps to get your healing and you only did nine. Jesus, that didn't happen. All three of these people got their healing. So these are different approaches to Jesus. But one way is effective. Another way is maybe better. And then another way is better yet. And so that process of renewing your mind will lead you into what I'm calling bold faith. Bold faith. And so we talked about this uh, when we talked about Abraham several weeks ago. He came to this level of faith. And Paul actually talks about this in Romans chapter 4. I want to read it to you real quick here. Because uh, we've got one more quick thing to do after we dismiss the service. And I'm going to tell you about that in a second. Verse 18 says, In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Read verse 21 with me together. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This type of fully convinced faith is demonstrated in the healing ministry of Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. And the backstory here is, this is where we see the centurion, the Roman centurion, a Roman soldier who's over about 80 soldiers, 80 to 100 soldiers. He comes and approaches Jesus because his servant is sick, and he wants Jesus to heal his servant. So here's this story, Matthew 8, verse 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. The servant's back at home, the centurion finds Jesus and comes to Jesus. And he said to him, Jesus said to the centurion, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. Jesus marveled. Jesus was amazed at this man's response and at his faith. Jesus marveled, and he said to those who followed him, truly, I, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and rest to recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom are thrown into outer darkness, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. 
And the servant was healed at that very moment. Amen. Why is this so amazing? Well, it's amazing for several different reasons. But one of the biggest things about this that is just astonishing and what caused Jesus to marvel is this man was not a Hebrew scholar. He, he was not reading the Torah. He didn't have a rabbi. He wasn't going to seminary. He wasn't going to Bible school. He couldn't tell you the difference between hermeneutics and exegesis. You can Google that if you want to later. <laughs> but he understood one thing. He very clearly understood authority. And, he, rec- and he, he, did, he demonstrated that. He said, I understand authority. And he gave several examples of how authority works. And he saw Jesus and he recognized authority. And what he was giving as examples was, if someone in authority says to do something, it will be done. And he recognized Jesus had authority. So he, he approached Jesus and he said, look, I'm asking you to say the word, be healed. Be- and you don't need to come to my house. We don't need to do, you don't need to come and, and lay hands on him. We don't need your entourage. You just need to say it because I understand you're in authority. When you say be healed, it will happen. And so this centurion was in this place of being fully convinced, fully persuaded that if God says be healed, you will be healed. On that basis, he had no, no question. He was fully convinced that Jesus only needed to speak the word. So let me say it again. The process of renewing of the mind will lead you into that place of bold faith, that type of faith, that centurion-level faith that astonished Jesus. And this is where we all want to be. And, And we can all get there, all of us, not just pastors and missionaries. Everybody has access to this. We all can get there. Bold faith is David facing Goliath because he absolutely believed who God is and what God would do. Bold faith is Abraham believing God's promise that he'd be a father of many nations, even though he was 100 years old and his wife couldn't have kids, because he believed God's promise was true. Bold faith was Peter when Jesus said, come to me on the water, Peter stepping out of the boat and standing on the water. That's bold faith. Bold faith is a place where you are no longer influenced by circumstances and you are fully persuaded that God's word is true. Amen. And listen, again, I want to say it one more time. There is no condemnation if you're not there now. None. None. Nobody is is, uh, yelling at you or beating you over the head of, why aren't you believing that way? No, this is a place we want to be. And we can all get there. Um, And if you've experienced disappointment or failure in the past, or if you've uh, prayed for a healing and you haven't seen it or you still don't see it, there's no condemnation if you're not there now. There are times I'm not there either, but I'm getting there. I'm moving that direction. Amen? Being, re- being transformed by the renewing of your mind is a process that is ongoing, and we continue moving in that direction. So uh, here's what I want to do, and this is a little different, and we have, we're, we have very little time. And so 
what I want to do is I'm going to dismiss the service. But once I dismiss the service, and let me go ahead and have the band come back up right now. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to sing the last song together. We're going to do something a little different. And uh, I'm going to dismiss the service. Before I do that, I'm going to pray over you. And if you need healing, our prayer ministry team is going to be up here. And if you need healing, I want you to come up and pray with us and, let, and let's pray for you to be healed today. And if you don't, then once I dismiss the service, you are free to go. I just want to ask you to just be respectful of what's happening up here and not, uh, you know, be a big distraction or anything like that. Because we are going to be praying for people to be healed. So what I want to do now is let me ask my prayer ministry team people to go ahead and come up here. And then I'm going to pray for you guys. And then we're going to dismiss. The band's going to play lightly. Uh, You're going to hear the band playing lightly, but you are going to be dismissed so you can leave. But if you need healing, I want you to come up and let us pray. Does everybody understand? Okay, that's what's going to happen. So let me pray for you right now. Father, Lord, we believe that you heal. We see that you have healed. But Lord, we also see that you're still doing it. And God, uh, for anyone in this room who has any kind of sickness or pain or discomfort in their body, some kind of malady, some kind of diagnosis, Lord, I believe and we believe and we see that you are still healing people. And so, God, we are approaching you today for healing. And, Lord, I pray that you would also equip and empower everybody in this room to go forward into this next week carrying uh, the gift of healing with them. That we can all pray for somebody to be healed. And, Lord, you've called us to do that. And so, Lord, let your expression of love that happens through healing, let it spread out into our world. And if we're working next to someone who has a headache, we're going to pray for them and they're going to be healed or whatever the case may be. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that you bless these people right now. Let this, let your words rest in their heart and bear fruit and let, let growth and change happen in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're doing. Uh, you are dismissed, but if you need healing, come up here. And we're going to pray for you. Amen. Thank you, guys. And, uh, you know, we will see you again next week. Thank you guys for coming out. You're dismissed.